This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. And good afternoon from Asia. Well, yesterday here in the UK, there was a significant moment when we saw the FTSE 250 recovering all of its pandemic losses. That coincided with Boris Johnson confirming that shops and pub gardens would reopen next week. So tell us what's happening to markets where you are in Asia Pacific. It's more of a mixed day here today, much like when we saw an outstanding session on Monday from the US stock markets. Asia refused to really buy into it and only rallied modestly. Uh, Today, we're seeing another mixed performance. We're seeing uh, Japan, uh, Singapore and ASEAN markets in Australia slightly higher. Uh, But uh, yet again, we're seeing uh, Chinese markets drifting into the red. Uh, And I think over in that part of the world, the ongoing clampdown on big tech and uh, other other, uh, sectors by the Chinese government is still continuing to to weigh on sentiment, despite the fact that yesterday we had an an outstanding Kaizen services PMI number, which suggests that uh, domestic consumption in uh, China is starting to to bounce back. Now, Jeff, there are some concerns in some quarters about the AstraZeneca jab. They continue. Uh, Regulators are investigating possible links between the vaccination and uh, pretty rare but potentially fatal blood disorders in adults. Has this or could this have any effect on markets over the next few days and weeks? I really feel that it's only going to have a major impact if they completely ban it and they choose not to reuse it at all again in uh, places such as the European Union, Australia and other developed markets. I, I think you'll find that developing markets would happily take all that vaccine off their hands and then some if uh, uh, even with those uh, uh, alleged risks. So uh, short of that, I don't really see a major market impact. And if anything, equities in Europe rallied yesterday, not just because of Boris Johnson's uh, 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 reopening, uh, confirming the reopening uh, of of the UK next week, but also the EU uh, announced that by the end of uh, July, there will be enough vaccine within the European Union to have vaccinated 70% of the population. Uh, AstraZeneca is obviously some of that, but what we're seeing is that in developed markets, we're starting to see Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and shortly the Janssen vaccine and Novavax. These vaccines are all starting to arrive in markets outside of the United States in large volumes, and there's been no connection there at all with uh, any uh, unwanted side effects thus far. So I think the AstraZeneca problem will fade over time. You have to feel sorry for the people who run AstraZeneca because, as we've said before in this podcast, they're the only pharmaceutical that have provided this vaccination at cost. And unbelievably, it's come back to bite them. Yes, and I I think part of the problem there is that they just haven't been able to meet the production targets that they said they uh, that they would commit to. I, I personally think that's a bit harsh in, in some ways as well. I mean, these vaccines only hit the market in late November or started arriving in late November and December. And four months later, everybody's wringing their hands and complaining about it. I, uh, so I, I think in, in that respect, uh, they've been fairly harshly dealt with. 
these uh, alleged side effects, I, I can't see any literature around that says unequivocally that it's the AstraZeneca vaccine causing that and not a statistical, uh, a natural statistical occurrence in a population that large. But uh, certainly, uh, as, as I said, if some developing countries uh, weren't particularly keen on using that vaccine and they have substitutes, there are plenty of uh, poorer countries around the world who will take it all off their hands and some and, and more than that. Interesting story I was reading in some of the British newspapers. Amazon boss Jeff Bezos says he supports raising taxes on US companies. The comments by the world's richest man come as US President Joe Biden is pushing to raise the corporate rate from 21 to 28 percent. Now, that rise would help pay for a massive spending plan to upgrade America's uh, infrastructure. Were you surprised by Mr. Bezos's comments? I was slightly. Um, Amazon doesn't have uh, the greatest uh, reputation in trying to pay uh, as much tax as it uh, as it possibly could. It's uh, tax efficient, as we say, by parking uh, a lot of their transfer pricing or their revenues in low tax uh, countries outside of the US. But they're not alone there. Every major US tech company does the same thing, whether it's Amsterdam or it's Dublin, etc., uh, etc. Et they all pretty much have the same structures going on. Uh, what is interesting is that uh, uh, Janet Yellen is also supporting uh, a minimum corporate tax globally, and that is something the OECD has been working on for some years. Naturally, of course, it stalled under the previous regime, but uh, that seems to be getting some traction. And perhaps going forward, what we're going to see is a much more level playing field, uh, particularly on these large uh, multinational technology uh, companies with regards to uh, taxation. Uh, and that they will pay what many in the world uh, perceive should be their fair share of tax. Okay, it's a fairly quiet week, isn't it? You mentioned a few uh, bits of data coming out. What should we look out, though, for the rest of the week? The data is mostly second tier. We we do get quite a lot of inflation data out over the rest of the week, but much of it will be back in February, and thus in this day and age, that's a bit backward-looking. I think the two most interesting things uh, for the rest of the week will be the release of the FOMC minutes later uh, later in the week, uh, late on in the wee hours of Thursday, uh, Asian time, and, and the markets will be pouring over those uh, over those minutes. What they'll be looking for is whether the level of dissent about this ultra easy, lower for longer, we don't care about inflation, monetary policy is increasing. So whether some of the governors on the committee uh, are starting to um, starting to question the wisdom of that policy, given the data prints that we have been seeing coming out of the US, uh, that may uh, raise hopes or raise expectations that uh, that that policy will end sooner rather than later. Uh, similarly, uh, Jerome Powell, the the Federal Reserve Chairman, will be making a speech uh, around midnight uh, Singapore time, so very early late, very late at night for the British listeners. Uh, and his every word will be hung over or, or poured over in detail there as well. He has to choose his words carefully. If he provides even a smidgen of a hint that he thinks that uh, monetary easing will be uh, wound back sooner rather than later, we can expect to see US bond yields shoot higher and we would almost certainly see uh, equity markets uh, move lower on that, on that uh, perception as well. So I think uh, those are the two main uh, risk points for the rest of the week. Uh, under the radar, uh, there's this Ukraine situation with Russia and Belarus and 
troops mounting, um, uh, uh, gathering on the border of Ukraine. I think uh, that has the potential if we suddenly see peacekeepers arriving in uh, eastern Ukraine to, to, to spike uh, oil prices uh, higher in a knee-jerk reaction. So our listeners should keep an eye on developments there. It probably won't be great for European equities either. Before we let you go, Jeff, uh, tell us about the latest movements in gold. It's on the up at the moment. Yeah, look, it's a very interesting formation here in, in gold at the moment. It does seem very much more correlated to the moves in the US 10-year yields than it does to the moves in the US dollar. Gold uh, powered higher uh, overnight, touching $1,745 an ounce, despite the US dollar strength uh, weakening quite markedly. Uh, but also, it, it's uh, we saw US yields move uh, lower overnight, and uh, they have been tracking lower for the last few sessions. We've seen gold move from 1,675 to 1,745 in the space of just five trading sessions. It's actually traced out a double bottom on the longer-term charts at around that 1,675 level. And from my reading of it, gold is actually look does look like it is trying to put in a, a longer term uh, a longer term base to prices so uh, it's early days yet but i think we could be on the verge of seeing uh, gold starting another material rally higher in the months ahead okay jeff halley in singapore thanks for joining us this morning thank you this is the oanda podcast